Before we get started, we have an interview question of the day. Listen, pause, and then answer for yourself. Why do you think you're the best candidate for the job? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson, and today we have another special guest, and she's going to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you. My name is Brittany Herman. I am Miss Ohio Volunteer 2023. I was crowned just over a week ago, so that's still setting in a little bit. But I have competed in pageants for about three years. It's something that I dreamed of doing for over a decade and just never got the confidence to do it and finally decided that it was it was my time. It was part of my journey. I currently work as an attorney in Columbus, Ohio. I do nonprofit organizations, tax law, which if I told you the details of my job, you all will be bored. So I'll skip over that part. But I did go to Georgetown University Law Center where I was able to graduate as the valedictorian of my class. I did my Juris Doctor degree at Brigham Young University Law School and my undergraduate degree at Tennessee Technological University, where I went on a flute scholarship and studied English. In my spare time, I spend a lot of time on my nonprofit, We Will, which is all about sexual assault prevention and survivor empowerment. Through that nonprofit, I've published a children's book. I have worked with survivors and come up with curriculum um, based off of a lot of different research that I've done, and all of that. I also love playing the flute, um, coaching high school swimming, bodybuilding, and hanging out with my dog. Oh my goodness. I, you know, I did my research before this, but when you dropped that you were valedictorian, I I wish people could see my face during this because I, my face immediately dropped because that is so awesome. So honestly, kudos to you just to start right off the bat. That is absolutely amazing. Like I give you the title of hashtag boss babe because you've done it all. How this episode came to play, I want to set the scene for everyone. I was scrolling on Instagram and one of my good friends, Taylor Morton, who's Miss Charlotte volunteer for North Carolina volunteer, had posted your picture from Miss Ohio volunteer. And when I say I think it broke the pageant internet, I honestly think it did. I really think you broke the pageant internet. As soon as I saw it, I clicked on it and I read your caption. And I want you to give the listeners a little more insight about what this photo is and, you know, what happened in the background for you to speak out about this situation. So this photo on Instagram is me in a bikini during the bikini part of the competition for Miss Ohio Volunteer. And Honestly, I didn't want to have to post anything like that. I didn't want to talk about it, but I was shocked after I won the amount of backlash that I received, that my organization received, just saying that a girl that looks like that should not be our title holder, essentially saying that I was overweight, that um, I didn't represent the female population very well. And Honestly, it, it got a little bit nasty and I know it was only a, a few, but those those really, it, it hurt. And in the caption, I said this, like, I wish I could say that I always love my body and it never bothers me. And it doesn't hurt at all that people are saying these things, but, but they do hurt. And I received anonymous emails from people saying pretty nasty things to me, anonymous messages on Instagram, things like that. And I just, I was going to be quiet about it, but I decided, you know what? So many women are quiet about being body shamed. And here I am with this voice and with this platform 
And I'm able to just stand up and say, look, I'm a six foot tall woman. I'm almost 200 pounds. I work out every single day. I really love my body. And I know it doesn't look like sometimes what people think of as a traditional pageant body, but guess what? There is nothing wrong with that. I shined with confidence on stage and that's what mattered to me. And that's what mattered most. And I think, you know, if this had happened to me five years ago, uh, three years ago, maybe even when I started in the pageant world, I would have been completely wrecked, but I was, I, I love my body. I've come to a new place with my body than where I was years ago. And, and I pushed past those fears that made it to where I didn't compete in pageants for so long. And I stepped on stage in a bikini, felt great about it, stepped off stage, still felt great about it. And continued to move forward and ended up winning the pageant. And I think it's great to have this example of someone who does look like that, who who won, but all too often there are examples of women who look like that and don't win or or things like that and are still body shamed. I think I, I'm really lucky that it worked out in such a way that after I was body shamed, I could still say, well, guess what? That's not the most important thing about me. That's not what the judges saw as the most important thing about me. And I can move forward, but I, I wanted to speak out for those people who didn't have that push of confidence of, of winning afterward of earning the title and getting to, to serve in that way. And I really hope that when people just heard the intro of that you just had for this podcast, I hope that they realize and understand why you won. As soon as you opened your mouth and said all of your scholastics and what you do and with your own nonprofit, that is what I am more interested in as a judge than I really am in appearances anymore. It's, is the girl confident on stage? There isn't a box on that swimsuit competition that says, is she a, you know, six foot Victoria's Secret model? That is not a checkbox. And I hope that people understand that with all of these pageants out there, that's never been a check. It's not nasty like that. It's, is she confident? Does it fit her? Yes, it absolutely did. I think your swimsuit looked fantastic, but that's just me. So going forward, like I, and my question, I guess, to you was, you know, how did Ohio organization, how did they handle this? Because this was something that one was unexpected, probably. They didn't realize this was ever going to happen, nor should it have happened, of people sending those nasty negative messages. That's just rude. It's nowadays people are so quick to just put their opinion in everything. And I really think that does have a lot of effect coming off of COVID, that people are behind a screen for so long. And they've been doing it forever, being a cyber bully. But now it's like they feel like they're like, oh, I can say it. Nobody's going to say anything to me because I'm at home. They can't really do much. But now it's like you're really hurting people. Like this is not – and I'm glad that you have this thick skin built up over years of time of, you know, going through pageantry. Honestly, pageants are hard. People are mean. People always have something to say about you, and it is – it's difficult. But I want to ask you, you know, how did the Ohio organization handle this coming from your side of it? Well, something that I put in my caption um, of that post was that my body was the least interesting thing about me. Um, I mean, you you kind of echoed that sentiment when you were talking about my bio of all the things that I'm doing. And yeah, my my body isn't that interesting. It's, you know, the same type of body that most people have. And and what the Ohio organization did is they just reminded me of that. They just said, hey, you know what? Like, I'm sorry that these people are being nasty. I will say like the nasty people are so much the exception rather than being the norm. I have, I was shocked that that this was happening mostly because I didn't know that it was happening until I was in the center of it. And they ju- were just really supportive in reminding me that, 
you know, this is, this is why you won. And they never have said to me, okay, well for nationals, let's like lose weight. Let's make sure that we are looking a certain way. They've just continued to say like, Hey, like let's have you shine on stage. And as I, as I put in that caption, I'm going to love that girl. And they're going to love that girl who steps on the national stage, no matter what she looks like. And that's not going to say that I'm not going to continue working hard, continue working out anything like that. I think that part of where my confidence comes from is working on myself and feeling strong and feeling capable. And they've just been really supportive in making sure that I feel strong and capable. That is amazing. I'm so proud of them as an organization with volunteer system being, you know, new within the past two and a half, three years. That really sets the precedence for everyone after that. They understand that they're not here to play, <laughs> one. And two, they're not going to take any crap. And they're going to remind their girls that who have won or who are competing that they're loved and they're welcomed. And that is so important because systems before that we're not the same way. And so it's really nice that they're already going ahead and setting that almost like level setting it for other pageant systems out there of like, are you really going to take this? Like, that's not that's not what we need to be doing. So I'm really appreciative that the Ohio organization really handled that professionally and made sure that you felt comfortable with it. And so I really appreciate that for sure. But let's get to know a little bit more about you. And I know we've heard your little intro, but let's dive deep into a few other things. So you have your own nonprofit. Let's talk about that a little bit and where that kind of came from and how you made that. Sure. So I founded my nonprofit during law school. And where it came from was during law school, I had to conduct a what they call a substantial writing paper. So basically you take any area of law and you just write 30 pages about it. I'd been sexually assaulted after high school and the circumstances of my assault and learning later about consent and coercion, all of those things, I'd wondered if my sexual education was better, could this have been prevented? Could the pain that I experienced been prevented? Because I knew what consent was and I knew that I didn't give consent and knew that I had been assaulted and sought help. If the assaulter had been taught about consent, what if he would he have asked me for consent? Like, would this have even happened? And so the study that I did just looked at sexual education laws in the states with the highest rate of rape and the states with the lowest rate of rape. And I looked at those to see if there's any correlation between sexual education, whether it's the quality, the quantity, what they're teaching, things like that. Um, if there's any correlation with that and the rate of sexual assault. And I found that there was, there was a strong correlation. I studied a myriad of different factors. I looked at urbanization, political affiliation, male to female population ratios, religious affiliation, all of those sorts of things. And I couldn't find a single other factor that even remotely correlated with the rate of sexual assault. And so I can't say that my study proves anything, but I can say that there is a very, very strong correlation such that I thought, wow, this is huge information and I need everyone to know about it. So I wanted to volunteer with an organization that was already working on sexual assault prevention through education, and I couldn't find one. And something that I have just decided in my life was that anytime I wanted to try something, anytime I had a thought, I would go for it. And the worst case scenario is that I failed and maybe get embarrassed a little bit. But for me, the best case scenario here is that I prevent sexual assault from happening to someone. Because if I work my whole life, if I do everything I can, if I just put my whole heart and soul into sexual assault prevention, and I still only prevent one sexual assault, 
or even just help one person feel better about something that happened to them, then this is all worth it. Because for me, I can live with the fact that I've been sexually assaulted, but I couldn't live with myself if I knew there was something I could do to prevent this from happening to others and I chose to do nothing. So that's why I choose to do something. And the nonprofit has just boomed exponentially since that time. And I'm not going to say it's run perfectly. I don't know anything about nonprofit management, so I'm just trying my best, but it has, it has been really successful. And I do receive those messages and those notes from survivors saying that what I've done has helped them in some way. And that's what keeps me going on those hard days. For anyone that's listening or gets a hold of this podcast and hears about that, what is one way they can reach out to you or multiple ways they can reach out to you to talk about their situations or possibly get help of out of those sexual assault situations? Yeah, so they are more than welcome to message at we.will.organization on Instagram or go to wewillorg.com online and fill out the contact form. I'm the only person that reads those. I do have a social media manager, but she leaves all the messages for me to look at just because we still want to keep that personal touch. We want people to know who they're talking to and the kind of help that they're going to receive. And what I do is I just help survivors connect with resources that can help them move forward in whatever situation they're in. So whether they're currently in a situation or it happened years ago and they need someone to talk to, things like that, that's the way that we are able to empower survivors. We also allow them to share their story. So if you have been through something and you have learned something through your story or you have a healing journey that you feel like can help other people, we also allow people to share their story. So if you're in a good place, then reach out on social media. I'd be more than happy to share your story. That is absolutely amazing. And I'm so glad that someone is out there. One, going ahead and initiating the process of since there wasn't that already, you're like, I'll just make it. No worries. And so I really appreciate that. You have such a drive. And now I'm like, yep, she won. Like, I have no questions. I wasn't even asking. Like, nope, she won. And so I really appreciate you sharing that with us, as well as I was also doing my research and see that you possibly having a podcast coming out soon. So what has that been like? What is the process of that? And what is it going to be about? Yeah, so I know that your listeners can't see, but I have a like little professional podcast microphone in front of me that I purchased a few weeks ago. So I have one podcast that's already out. It's called We Will Educate, and it's affiliated with my nonprofit. And we don't put episodes out on a regular schedule. We just have if we're talking to an expert that has something really important to share, we'll put out an episode. So there are a few in the bank there that you're more than welcome to listen to. And we upload pretty occasionally, but it's been a good way to reach our communities. The one that you're talking about, though, that we have coming out is kind of a passion project for me. What it is, is it's called Hot Girl Talks. And it's a women's empowerment podcast. Essentially, me and my best friend, we like to go on hot girl walks. And I was listening to a podcast about hot girl walks, just an episode of Skim This. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. But they talk about they talk with the founder of Hot Girl Walks, kind of who started the trend on social media. And she talked about the fact that she called them that because she wanted it to be a time where you're on a walk, you're doing something good for your body, but you're you're thinking or talking about with whoever you're on a walk with, the things that you're grateful for and the things that you're proud of yourself for doing. And me and this friend, Presley, that I'm starting it with, we are just so proud of so many of the women in our lives. And we think it's important to highlight them, to show what they're doing that is really helping their communities, that is helping them develop, and also to show women the amazing things that they can do. So it's kind of, it's going to feature all sorts of things. We have so many great individuals lined up to be on the podcast to help people learn about 
these different areas that they can go into to help them feel empowered to move forward in their future and also just to appreciate other women because other women are freaking cool. I'm so excited for that. That is the one big thing. Every time I'm like with one of my brothers, they're like, what is this hot girl walk? And I'm just like, oh my goodness. But I actually have on, it's the 12, 330. You're all though. And it literally says hot so that's kind of funny because on the back, like, that is that is actually pretty perfect for this conversation today. Yeah. So whenever you make merch for that, I will definitely buy some Hot Girl Talk merch because I feel like this is what we're doing right here. We're Hot Girl talking. But going forward on this, I want to dive back into pageants a little more. And I noticed that you had previously competed for the MAO system in Utah. And then as well as we talked about, you competed in Ohio last year or this past June. What are some of the differences you've seen since competing at both the Miss Volunteer America system and MAO system? Which if people didn't know, the volunteer system was a breakoff of the MAO system from the Tennessee team. Allison Del Marcus created the Miss Volunteer America system and it has bloomed and blossomed ever since. So I want you to give your experiences, you know, what you learned from MAO and how maybe it transpired into Volunteer America or something you liked about each or which one was better. I had just the most fears that a person can have about doing pageants. Like I said, I'd been wanting to do them for over a decade before I started them. I went to high school with Miss Teen Texas USA, and I think she was the most gorgeous person I've still ever laid eyes on. And and seeing her, it was like, oh, I want to do the things that she's doing as well, but I don't look like her. I can't do that. And I was just, I was so afraid. You know, fast forward a few years, I was 22. I thought, you know, if I, I never, if I don't do a pageant now, I might never have the chance to do one. I didn't know what the age ranges were, but I felt like I was a little bit on the older side. So I decided to sign up for something called the Days of 47 Daughters of Utah Pioneers pageant. And it was all about pioneers and how much we loved our ancestors. And it was a very like churchy kind of I'll say weird, but I loved it. It was like a, a good, weird sort of pageant. It was, it felt very random. And I had just the time of my life. And I thought, oh, I've been missing out on this the whole time. And for me, Miss America had always been the goal. I think Miss America has this really long standing tradition in our country. So I, the goal was always to participate in a local pageant. So after I did the Daughters of Utah Pioneers one, I signed up for the next and last two locals of the Miss Utah season in the Miss America system. And the first one I went to, I hated with all of my heart. <laughs> I just did not like it at all. It was not my cup of tea. And I think that's partially because I thought in the Daughters of Utah Pioneers pageant, I could be completely myself. I could really enjoy who I was to my core and just what I was doing and totally relax. But in the America system, it was hard to see women who'd been doing this for years, women who had competed when there was swimsuit, because I was only comfortable competing now that swimsuit was eliminated. And it was it was just different. And I I wasn't myself. I just was who they who I thought that they wanted me to be. I did this pageant. It was it was weird, but it was fun and I had a great time. And so I thought, wow, I can finally go ahead and sign up for a Miss America local pageant because a Miss America local had always been the goal, but something that felt so out of reach. But after having this much fun at this pageant, I thought, okay, I can do it. I can do a Miss America local. I'll go and I'll have a ton of fun. But then I got to orientation and it was so intense. I think I wore like my Lululemon leggings trying to be fancy, but then I realized I put them on inside out. And so that was super embarrassing and everybody else was so put together. 
And I just had the thought of like, I do not belong here, but I'd already signed up for the local and I'd signed up for the local after that. I'd signed up for two locals that were just one weekend right after another because they were the last two of the season. And I thought this is my last chance to try this. So I get to orientation. It's very intense. People are looking very fancy. They're wearing those like Chinese laundry platform shoes, which I had never even seen before, much less put on or tried to walk in. I wasn't allowed to wear heels till I was 15. So, and after that, I was already six foot tall and I didn't want to because I was taller than all the boys. So needless to say, walking in heels did not come super easily to me, but we were in the orientation. It was hard. We were learning the dance. I'm horrible at dancing. If anyone goes back and watches any of the pageants I've been in for opening number, I promise you I will mess up the dance every single time. But we, we did the orientation and I got scared. In the Daughters of Utah Pioneers pageant, I went in with zero expectations, and most of the women there hadn't ever done a pageant before either. I went in totally myself, but then because I was scared and because my confidence was shaken when I went to the Miss America local, I wasn't myself. I acted like someone completely different. I tried to just be what I thought the system wanted me to be. I think I probably came off very pageant patty. I remember a part in my interview where I switched back and forth on two different opinions that were polar opposites, I think like three times because I just wanted to convey that like, oh, I can like argue both sides and stuff. And I was just trying so hard to be so perfect and I hated it. I just had so many regrets. I hated the whole day. I didn't enjoy it. I think my face on stage, like even before crowning was announced, I was probably frowning and frowning even more afterward. And I just, I, I didn't like it. I, I loved the girls who won. So that was nice at least, but, but I thought I don't want to do the weekend after this. And I tried to get out of it and they didn't let me. They said like, well, you've already paid and the number's already done. So like, it would be a lot easier if you just did it. And I thought, okay, whatever. I can suffer through another day, but because I didn't care that much, I just decided to have fun and go back to being myself. I had the best time. I think during my interview, I ended up like laying on the floor and demonstrating like what a trunk lift was. I don't recommend doing that in your interview at all. It was just on my paperwork and it was goofy and whatever. And I ended up winning the pageant and it was just so out there, like not something that I expected and just the best experience. So I, I went, I served for two years because of COVID and then went to Miss Utah. I had the absolute best time at Miss Utah. I was able to place in the top 11, which was great. And I earned a STEM scholarship for my work in tax law. And really, I learned so much from that experience about myself. I think that the introduction of the social impact pitch was something that was really important to me because you know, I started pageants to have fun, but at times pageants are not fun. Sometimes being a title holder is really hard. It's really difficult. Prepping for state is really hard and it can be a little bit overwhelming at times. But what kept me going was knowing on stage, I get to talk about my experience as a survivor. I get to talk about We Will, my nonprofit, and have thousands of people hear about it. And that's what kept me going. And it was, it was exciting. I loved getting to talk about it on stage. So then I, right after Miss Utah, ended up moving to Ohio for a job that I got here. Um, it was my very first tax law job. So pretty exciting. And I, I had aged out of the Miss America system at that point. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, so I reached out to all the locals and I said, Hey, do you need a volunteer? Because like, I love this program and I'd love to volunteer with it. And after I sent out all those emails, like two days later, they announced 
we're upping the age limit. And I was like, okay, sorry, I can't volunteer anymore because like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I went into Ohio. I had so much confidence. I mean, I placed in a state that had, I think, almost 50 competitors or candidates as they call them in the Utah system. And I, I done really well. And I thought I'm going to come into Ohio and not that it was going to be like super easy and I was immediately going to win or anything, but I was, I was pretty confident and I lost four, maybe five locals here in Ohio. I was oftentimes first runner up one time. I didn't get any awards or anything like that. And sometimes that happens. Right. And I just decided, you know, this, I guess some people could view this as embarrassing or they could think that I shouldn't be doing this anymore, but this is my last chance and I'm making great friends. I'm loving the women in Ohio and, and the, and in the last local of the Miss Ohio season, I ended up earning a title and it was a great experience. I was able to then go to Miss Ohio, which was a really great experience as well. I think that Getting a title so late in the season where there was only three months until state was a little bit stressful. Thankfully, I'd already ordered a dress just hoping (laughs) that I would get a title. Um, I'm very tall, so I have to custom order everything. So that was a little bit stressful. And in Ohio, I think I just learned humility more than anything. Um, It is hard to compete and it's hard to do all of those things. And Sometimes when you have been successful in pageants, it's easy to think like, oh, I'm the greatest of all time. And it's like, that's such a goofy mindset because different judges, different day, different result. And really, I think God's in charge of the result anyway. Like I'm pretty religious. And so I'm like, well, it didn't, doesn't really matter. Like God's the one in charge. And those are the lessons that I needed, right? Is, is that level of humility. And I just, I love the women in Ohio. It's so great. So I finished Miss Ohio. I got off the stage. I go and greet my local directors. I give them a hug and they're like, hey, just so you know, we signed you up for Miss Ohio volunteer. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) Um, why? Like I can't do swimsuit, all of these things. And they're like, no, like you just, you have to do it. It's your last year. It's your last chance. They have like a weird age thing right now where, where like you're, you'll be an exception and this is your only chance to do it. You should just try it. And I kind of just decided, well, I know that I'm not going to be the thinnest girl with swimsuit. Like I'm a size 10. It's just, it's not going to happen. And so I thought, well, just go have fun because there's no way I'm going to win because of the swimsuit category. So again, I go in with that mindset of I'm just going to have fun. And it turned out pretty well for me. So I, I think from that, I just learned never to count yourself out because I counted myself out of the race and I was telling you beforehand, like there are some things that I wish that I'd had in place and that I'd planned a little bit more to win. Um, even it, cause even if I hadn't, I could have still served in those ways, but because I didn't have those things in place, I've had to kind of scramble this first week and it's worked out well. I'm, I've gotten all my ducks in a row, but, but I think making sure you don't count yourself out is really important. And I'm, I'm really glad that I tried it and that I went for it, even though I was afraid. I love that. I'm glad you gave the full story because now everything, like all of the timeline goes into place. And so with them just kind of willy nilly signing you up for volunteer, what was the, like, you said, you're like, I can't do swimsuit, but what was your like mental process of like, okay, well, I now have to do this. I'm going to do this. What was that looking like for you mentally? It was hard, but something that they said to me when, after they signed me up, they're like, Hey, look, we had a Miss Miss Portsmouth. That's the, the, um, local affiliation I was under. 
that a few years ago, she looked exactly like you. She was not the smallest girl on stage, but she got on stage. She had that confidence and she won swimsuit. And I had no expectations to go to volunteer win swimsuit or anything like that. But that was one of the first stories that they told me that night while we were talking about it right after Miss Ohio. And I just realized that nothing, nothing about my body was going to change in two months, right? Like nothing about it would change. And even if it did change, even if magically I became a size, whatever that is traditionally seen on the stage, that wasn't going to change the way that I felt about myself and the confidence that I had. And don't get me wrong, I have confidence about my body in pretty much all aspects of life. But when you know you're getting on stage to be judged, and you're going to be the the exception, and that the norm will look very different than you, it, it was hard to initially overcome that. So a lot of the mental work was learning to be confident in every situation. And I remember the first time that I went to practice swimsuit, just I, I was in my coach's studio. I was in the back room. I changed into my swimsuit. I put my heels on and I just felt so ridiculous. And I, I didn't want to get out into the, the studio area. I, the only people there were my coach who seen me naked because we were changing in front of each other. She's like helping me like zip up and stuff. And my best friend who same situation, she helps me like zip up, like there's nothing inherently different, but I was just so afraid to even step out in that, in that state. I think there's something about the heels and the bikini that just feel different. And I mean, I wear bikinis to the beach. Like I feel great about my body. It was just, it was something about knowing that I'm stepping on stage to say, Hey, look at me. That just feels different than casually hanging around and knowing that people are looking at you, but not really caring. This time I I had to care. I had to care how I was presenting myself. But of course I did step into the studio and my coach, she's so great. She's one of those people who just builds people with confidence. And she, so she just kept telling me like how amazing I looked. She had me stand in front of the mirror and just say all the things that I loved about my body and I loved about myself. And she allowed me to say some of the negative things too, like to to talk about how I'm feeling. I think sometimes with body positivity, it is kind of a toxic positivity where you're never allowed to think negatively about your body. And that's just not realistic. Like we're no matter how you look, you're going to have days, no matter how you generally feel, you're going to have those days. And so I really appreciated her allowing me to balance those two things in my mind. The part of the mindset then became just being confident in this precise situation and practicing over and over going to my apartment complex studio, recognizing there's going to be people doing like whatever exercises in there. And I'm going to be in my heels and my bikini walking around and it's going to look weird. And I'm going to have, you know, my upbeat music playing in my headphones that no one else can hear. And I'm just rocking to it. Like it's going to look weird. And, you know, I think that that prepared me well for being on stage and just saying, you know what, like, this is my body. If you guys, whatever you guys think about it, this is what it looks like. And this is how I feel in it, which is awesome and amazing. And I think that through that experience, I really did learn more about having confidence in every situation. I appreciate that your coach had you stand in front of a mirror and say positives and negatives. Like you said, it's it's almost like you can't say anything bad about your body when you're doing all this positivity. But if you don't, go ahead and point out the negatives. You can't counter it with a positive because it's like you're away and you can't talk about it. Yeah. And, and it's not like she asked me like, Oh, like, you know, say a, a negative thing. Now say a positive, but it was just like, I would say the positive things. And then she'd say like, okay, I feel like you're not feeling like that. What's, 
what's holding you back from feeling this way? And then I'd say like, oh, like there's like cellulite on my thigh. And then I'm afraid that the judges will notice in the stage light and the shadows, whatever. And she's like, who gives a crap if they notice that? Like, who cares? And if they do, then they're not looking at what they're supposed to be looking at. And do you really want to win a pageant where they want a winner who doesn't have any flaws at all? Like, what kind of system would that be? They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to pick a winner, right? Like, they just wouldn't be able to, whether it's a flaw in swimsuit and talent and interview, whatever, nobody is going to be on that stage and be perfect. So, so yeah, it's I, I did appreciate that she allowed me to voice the negativity and that she helped me work through it. And that didn't make the negative things go away, right? It's like acknowledging that I have cellulite and I don't like it. It doesn't make the cellulite go away. It just makes makes it okay to to have the space to feel that way and then to move forward. Because I think it is important to have that space to feel those feelings, but continue to push past them. And with you just mentioned talent, in the beginning of this, you talked about how you went to college on a scholarship for music. What is your talent and how long have you been doing that? So my talent is the flute. I love the flute so much. My mother played it when I was younger and I would just beg and beg and beg my parents to buy me a flute. And so finally, when I was nine, they purchased me a flute. And I I don't know if it counts as playing when I was nine. I would just take the head joint, which is the first little piece of the flute and just kind of blow in it and only do it when my parents weren't around because I wasn't supposed to touch the flute outside of like school. And, and so really playing since like nine, maybe like 10, um, it's been 16 years, which makes me feel incredibly old. But I, I think that playing the flute has been something that's really important to me. And it's also something that has taught me a lot because you know, there are times in high school where, and even college, where I was a band geek and I recognized that that's what people viewed me as. I hated the little outfits that we wore. I hated, I hated the whole situation. I hated marching around on the field, but we were required to do that if we wanted to play in the concert band. If we wanted to play for the musicals, we had to do marching band. And I actually ended up going to college on a flute scholarship, but also a marching band scholarship, which like, wow, you know, I can't think of a nerdier thing <laughs> that that someone could do. And now it's like one of my favorite facts about myself. I just think it's kind of funny. It was a great way to make friends in college. But there were so many times that in high school when I was feeling insecure because of this situation that I wanted to quit. And I had amazing band director. I had a fantastic mother who just, they, they talked to me about my potential and the fact that I'd be squandering it for something that's a fear right now and something that I will get over. And I mean, man, did I get over it? Like I would have never posted a picture of myself doing marching band. And now I do it all the time. I want those, those other band geeks and those nerds to know like there is a future for you and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fabulous. And, you know, now I have one of those talents that, you know, I, I love the other talents. I love watching dance, singing, all of those things, but that I step on stage and it, and it is something different. And so I do think it's kind of fun to, to have that little bit of a different thing. I can't sing worth crap. I can't dance worth crap. I, if I didn't stick with the flute, I would not be doing pageants to say the least. Um, or maybe, maybe I do monologues cause those are pretty cool too. But, but yeah, it's, it's something that I'm really glad that I stuck with. Well, I flip this and ask you, because we're at that point in the podcast where I like to ask everyone the same final question. So what would you say in what way has pageants positively impacted you? They have allowed me to put myself out there. And that's what 
in my opinion, helps with the confidence. I think that oftentimes women say, oh, I've gained confidence through pageantry. And that's great. But but before I did it, I didn't know what they meant. I'm like, okay, so you're walking in a gown. Like, what does that say about confidence? But one, signing up for a pageant is very hard. Deciding that you are going to put yourself out there like that is hard. Because I was in law school, I was with a bunch of people who were older professionals who'd been in careers and things like that. And when I told them I was doing a pageant, I got made fun of. I did. And that's okay. And I I especially got made fun of when I got a spray tan that was way too dark <laughs> right before the pageant. But I decided to push past some of those attitudes to push past what other people were saying or thinking about me and to just move forward and do the thing that I wanted to do. And what I've found out is that it's not about walking in the gown that builds that confidence. What it is, is going on a stage and no matter what area of competition saying, this is me, this is who I truly am. And those pageants where I was something that I wasn't, when I was trying to be someone that I wasn't, those are the ones that I ended up walking away and feeling bad about myself. But those pageants where I walked in and said, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to be completely myself, and the outcome is not what's important, the way that I feel and the experience that I have is what what's important. Those are the pageants where I've not only been successful from gaining a title or whatever, but I've been successful in making friends, in gaining confidence, in having the experience that I want to have and the experience that pageantry can really give you. So I don't know if anyone out there wants unsolicited advice from anyone, but I just say, if you're going to do one, like go for it, do it. Don't listen to what anybody says. It's okay to go up there. It's okay to fail. I failed so many times. I've lost far more pageants than I've won to get to this point and really just be yourself and be okay with yourself because that's what the judges are looking for is someone who absolutely loves herself and pageants are a great way to cultivate that self-love. You are such an inspiring person and I don't I don't know if you realize it but like truly you are and I'm so glad that we went ahead and did this episode because I'm like you know what I'm just going to go ahead and release this tomorrow because this is just so good to hold on to for myself like this I think is such a great episode that a lot of girls in the pageant world needed to hear right now I really think so. And I think that you're going to do such great things at Miss Volunteer America and as Miss Ohio Volunteer America. You're really going to, you're going to do the whole thing. Like, I really think that you're going to do this thing. Like, I, I'm so excited for your year. And I'm glad that I caught you in the beginning of it because I hope to do like a follow-up conversation like a year from now and be like, you know, what is your life done? Like, what are the things that you've done since we talked last? Because I feel like it's going to be not, I'm not going to say you're going to be a changed person, but like a 180, like you're going to have a different perspective on a lot of different views now. And I think you breaking the internet this past week in the pageant world really has started. It opened that door. Yes, it's going to open up for some negativity. Every person in the pageant world is going to get that at some point, but I'm glad that this sounds bad, but I'm glad you already went and got it over with because now it's just straight to the top. There is nothing else that can bring you down from this situation is going straight to the top. So I'm, I have the chills right now. I'm so excited for you when you're going into all of it you're doing and I'm just so glad that everyone listening today could hear what you've done where you're going and I'm just I know they're excited just as I am to see what you do in the future well thank you so much Casey and thanks for having me absolutely well you know guys you never know what happens in the future so I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of the crowning moment bye guys (laughs) 